I want you to be able to say, I'm not crazy. This is me. This is what's happening. And this is what I'm doing to make sure that I can function every day and still show up and give you this bad whatever that is, that's me, that I am showing up and you are getting the best of me because I have something to offer the world. And that is it when you own it and you're able to then, you then direct the narrative. You don't let your workplace, you don't let your family, you don't let the society dictate to how you're supposed to now act. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I am here to help you feel great in your body and to rock your hormones with so much ease and grace so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Have you wondered if you are in early or mid-perimenopause but secretly hoped you were not? This was me five years ago at age 36 staring at my computer screen on a Thursday afternoon, looking at my lab test results and seeing in broad daylight that my progesterone levels were non-existent. No wonder my PMS symptoms were raging out of control and my mood swings, ooh, I was like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Low progesterone levels can be a sign of early perimenopause because progesterone is the first hormone to decrease as your ovaries slowly move into retirement. Now, you can also have low progesterone levels for other reasons too, like maybe you're struggling with a hypothyroid issue or PCOS or very low body fat, or maybe you have an an ovulatory cycle, meaning that you're not ovulating, or you're just dealing with a lot of chronic stress and burnout. In today's modern world, many women are showing early signs of perimenopause due to a thyroid or gut issue or just experiencing way too much stress and burnout. Now, I definitely kicked my body into early perimenopause in my mid to late 30s by firing off my stress response system a lot. But when I was able to make some daily lifestyle changes, my progesterone levels increased, not a massive increase, but enough of an increase, and I was able to extend my reproductive longevity. And yes, This is absolutely possible. Last year, I brought on my dear friend, Dr. Cleopatra, to share her incredible research on reversing reproductive aging. If you want to go check out that episode, which is totally worth checking out, it's episode 204, and it's called How to Reverse Reproductive Aging and Upgrade Your Baby's Epigenetics. Now, whether you're in your mid to late 30s or your early 40s, it's quite possible that your body is changing along with your reproductive system. And the more that you understand how to look out for these changes and pivot with your body, you will find the perimenopausal transition from childbearing years to menopause to be so much easier to navigate and even quite possibly to enjoy. The time that we are going through perimenopause is a great time in our lives, and having the mindset to embrace all of it can really set us up for amazing success. And that's what Dr. Lakeisha and I are excited to talk about today. Dr. Lakeisha is going to let us in on how to glide, not slam, into perimenopause and beyond. And I don't know about you, but I am all about the gliding, not the slamming. But before I bring her on, I want to quickly share one of my daily lifestyle habits that I brought on to address my low progesterone. Basically, I added in some very specific supplements because I wanted to see my progesterone levels go up 
as quick as possible, basically. That's where I was at in my journey. And I don't know about you, but when you lose your stress protective hormone, your mood protective hormone, progesterone, you want to do everything in your power to get it back while you're still supposed to have it. So after finding that I was nutrient deficient, like so many of us are, I added magnesium glycinate B6 within a full B complex. So I didn't just supplement with B6. I supplemented with all the B vitamins because I had a feeling if I was low on B6, I was probably low on a lot more of them besides that one. I supplemented zinc, vitamin C, and I started taking chaseberry, also known as Vitex, during the luteal part of my cycle. So after I ovulated, I would bring in the chaseberry. Now, if you want to know more about what vitamins and minerals and herbs can support progesterone levels and even estrogen levels, I have created this perfect top 11 supplements and herbs to balancing your hormones guide. And I'm going to have the guide because I know so often we're trying to figure out to get our hormones back in balance. And the big needle movers for many of us is going to be supplementation before we look into anything else. So I'll have the guide in the show notes for this episode. Or you can go to drmarisa.com slash supplements and you can pull the guide up that way as well. Now, I also wanted to share that starting this month, I'm going to be sharing and releasing short five-minute podcast episodes on quick and easy solutions tied to everyday hormone issues. My goal is to help you create amazing wins for these short and to the point episodes because instant wins are the best. What I love about instant wins is that they build our confidence, they build our hope, and they build our excitement around our bodies shifting and changing just in a way that feels good to us. I know for me, when I started making major changes in my body, in my health, it was all about focusing on those smaller wins that got me excited for the bigger changes to come. So be on the lookout for these episodes, which can drop at any time outside of the normal Tuesday and Friday episodes, which are designed more specifically my Tuesday and Friday episodes to be more in depth. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. I'm super excited because I hope that you walk away from these little five-minute vignette episodes, just having a beautiful ritual or habit that you can begin to implement immediately and get some great, great, just great feeling, great success, great confidence out of them. All right. Now I want to welcome Dr. Lakeisha to the show. But before I do, I want to quickly sing her praises. A gifted speaker, OBGYN, and hormone specialist, and Amazon bestselling author, Dr. Lakeisha has a passion for helping women struggling with depleting hormones and getting their hormones balanced, also helping them to regain mental sharpness and having energy to last throughout the entire day. Now, if you want to become a hormone hottie with Dr. Lakeisha, definitely follow her on all social media, which is Dr. Lakeisha MD. Let's welcome Dr. Lakeisha to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Lakeisha McMillan. How are you doing today, girl? I am awesome. Thank you so much, Marissa, for having me here. I am just so excited to be part and be on your platform and be able to talk to the community today so we can dive into this subject, one of the subjects that I, I'm just so passionate about and love talking about all the time. Hmm. I completely resonate with this. When I read your topic, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And we're talking about gliding, not slamming into perimenopause and menopause. And I always say it's like that beautiful, like how do we create ease and grace during this transition? And that's exactly, I love the idea of gliding. I also like to say sauntering. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yes. 
<laughs> and I know, we know, you and I both know that a lot of women find themselves or feel like they are slamming into this, these transitions. So I'm really excited for you to speak into this, what you've seen, how you are using your talents and your expertise to really serve women in this demographic. And then also really what we can do to saunter and glide into this. But before we get into all of the nitty gritty, I would love for you to kind of share with us that defining moment for you when you decided that this was, this was the women that you really wanted to serve. Absolutely. So, you know, my story is probably one of those that most people think about when they think about doctors in terms of becoming a doctor, you know, from that point where I told my parents when I was like 12 years old, I want to be a doctor. And I actually saw this video called The Miracle of Life and was like, oh, I want to do that. That's so awesome. And so, you know, my parents helped guide me to during, you know, certain pathways, you know, like going to be part of a doctor's office like shadowing a doctor from the age of 13 till I graduated from college, you know, getting accepted into medical school early, like my junior year and being able to, you know, go through medical school and check off all these boxes and, you know, seeming like you just had everything in order, right? As somebody, you know, standing on the outside looking in would be like, oh, she's just checking off these little boxes. Look at her. Look at her handling business, doing all the things. Exactly. And then life hits you, right? There are times in our lives where we remember we have those defining moments. And for me, it was actually wrapped up in a 10-month period of time where, unfortunately, April 2nd, 2009, I lost my father to complications from a stroke. And then February 24th, 2010, my grandmother passes away from you know complications of CHF, which was very sudden as well. And so coming from a very close and tight-knit family, my entire world which was already like falling apart, literally I felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. And so I'm like in free fall, I'm, you know, I've become casual roommates with my husband, you know, or cordial roommates is what I like to say with my husband. We had our firstborn son, or child, which was our son. And I was just going through the motions and my body was starting to break down, literally. I remember one night sitting on labor and delivery and my blood pressure was 160 over 110. And the nurses were like, do you need to go to the ER? I mean, like, seriously, like what's going on? I had no energy. I was crawling into bed. I was waking up feeling what I call wired, but tired, which means I was constantly feeling like I couldn't unwind. I couldn't shut this off, but I was exhausted. I was gaining weight. I didn't want to have sex with my husband. I started remembering some of the things my mother would say about how, you know, going through menopause or the change, you know, people talk about it in whisper tones, like, change, you know, the change. So taboo. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, but I'm only 40 years old. I'm only 41. I'm, you know, this, this, I'm not going through the change, but then stepping back and literally saying to myself, you need to take time to take care of you and your family. You need to take time to heal. So stepping back, getting therapy, starting to heal and learning about what was going on in my body. I was able to then say, hey, 
I can give my genius to my ladies in a whole different way. And that's when I started focusing on perimenopause and menopause because of my own journey of how my body was starting to change. Yeah, it may have been, the impetus may have been a stressor, but this is the time in our lives where our bodies start changing and we don't know what's going on. We don't have anybody else to talk to. It's, you know, our mothers weren't able to give us the talk 2.0. And so I've come to this point where I'm like, oh my goodness, we need to start having these conversations. I agree 100%. And I think about all the things that you were going through, Dr. Lakeisha, with your, the death of your, your, your dad and then your grandma, like those are big traumas. Oh, absolutely. And then with your kids coming in, you know, every mama knows not only how rewarding but that is, but how all-encompassing. Yes. Yes. And then you are a mama to everyone at the, in your, in your care, right? In, in labor and delivery, you're in that. So you are, you talk about outpouring of service in every single direction, because I have a feeling that when your dad passed and your grandma passed, you were probably one of the rocks that was holding a lot of things together. And, you know, combine that up with the shifts in, in hormones. And yeah, you've got a recipe for slamming into perimenopause. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I get my labs done around this time in my life. Cause I'm like, okay, what's going on? I had no measurable testosterone. Okay. Yeah. Like my adrenals were shot. I mean, my thyroid was out of balance and dysfunctional. And this is what was starting to happen where I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I adjust this? How do I change this? What, what do I need to do? And that is where everything started evolving as well. So you're right. You know, I talk about how at that point in time in my life, you talk about being mother to everyone and being that go. I remember my pager would go off at the time we were starting to shift over from pagers to being able to do these text messaging services on your phone, through your phone, which was HIPAA compliant. So my texts would go off and I would see it was from my answering service and I would start getting upset. Like, okay, what do you want with me now? You know, like who else wants a piece of me? And I knew that wasn't me. That was just not the way that I cared for my patients and for those in my life. And that was another indicator that, oh, something's going on. You really need to take care of yourself so that you can continue to take care of others. Hmm, I love that. And you probably, yeah, it's at that tipping point where everything and anything felt like I can't I don't know if I can handle one more thing right now. I don't know if I can handle one more because what's that? And, and, and as a practitioner, always when that pager goes off, that is someone needing something from you. That's what it is. Yeah. Either a nurse is needing something, the patient's needing something. That is what there's no ever that text message goes off and someone's like, can I do something for you? Exactly. You're right. You're right. It's always, okay, what do you want with my life now? Right? Exactly. So I just wanted to just speak into that too. And I know so many women can relate because every time you go into your, your inboxes, your, your email, emails are people, no one ever, when has someone sent an email to you and it was like, how, what can I do for you today? You know, it's no, it's like, Hey, could you help me with this? Can I get something from you? And I think especially when we're in that transition and we are dealing with such a bombardment of so much else that's coming on, 
I find for some women that perimenopause comes on even earlier. And it breaks my heart to see how often doctors dismiss women that they're not in perimenopause, although it's they have the textbook symptoms for them. And I think a lot of what we're, a lot of the stresses that we're dealing with, especially with this pandemic that so many of us have been in, so many women having to leave the workforce to go back home to care for their families and their 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 parents, and, you know, everybody that they're addressing that we're starting to see it even coming on earlier because a lot of these things are impacting our hormone system. Absolutely. So I tell a lot of my patients, and and this is the reason why I switched over to a concierge practice is because I get to be able to take the time with you. And I'm not rushed. I'm able to really dive into what's going on in your life because a lot of times it is the stress pathway that has hijacked everything else. And that is usually the domino that's fallen. That's the first thing. And then it's like, oh my gosh, then everything else goes out of whack. And you're trying to chase and figure out which which one do we work on first. And so a lot, like you said, we're going into perimenopause probably even earlier or even with more harsh symptoms, I would even dare say, because yeah, your, your hormones can start changing and fluctuating in your early forties. And so that's why we say perimenopause can actually be this period of 10 years before you actually go into menopause. And that's like, when I say that to my ladies, they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, what that means is that your body's changing. There are things that are going on that are impacting the systems. And so the systems are not working at full cylinder all the time. And this is where you get the tools to be able to impact them and be able to take back the reins. And so, yes, stressors, the way that we're living, this pandemic, what it has done to affect our lives has greatly impacted how women are going to, you know, glide or slam into this phase of life. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you and absolutely right. I think every labs, all the labs I've ever run and on women, even in our late 30s, I see low testosterone levels. You know, when I run the blood test, I see, I start to see a decrease in T3 or T4, you know, maybe not TSH yet, thyroid stimulating hormone, but I start to see those. And then I also start to see, I mean, I so rarely see a woman who's got robust progesterone levels where I'd like to see them between like day 19, day 22, because that is also another hormone that really takes takes a hit. And it's no wonder we have these symptoms and we're not necessarily connecting the dots of our symptoms to what could be early, like that early detection of perimenopause. And I think every time a woman tells you like, wait, what? Perimenopause? But but then also you're like, do you not see your symptoms? <laughs> you know, I think we're not, we just aren't putting, we're not putting the, the pieces together yet. We're not associating these symptoms with this transition. And that's exactly what I do. I help women see how this shows up on a daily basis. I'm like, okay, this, this is, these are the labs. These are your symptoms. This is how it looks. This is how it looks on a daily basis. When your adrenals aren't working, when you have low testosterone, when you have low progesterone, so you're not crazy. This is how it looks. This is exactly how it looks. And so you are experiencing where you are having a physiological process that is imbalanced and it's showing up this way. Mm, I love that. I love that so, so much. I think that's so needed. Dr. Lakeisha, I want to I roll back just a little bit because I, I know you were in it, you know, and you were feeling it. And, and when we look at the longevity of it all, when you look forward, you're like, I cannot see myself continuing to be in this, like in, in functioning and showing up 
for my partner, for my kids, for everybody, and even just for myself. And so what were some of the things that you were doing for you, you know, that you felt like were kind of some of the biggest needle movers for you? Because let's be honest, everything that you were doing was stacked, right? Time limited. So I would just love for you to kind of just, and I know every woman's got to find their thing too. Oh yeah. So one of the things that was big for me is that I actually took a really big, hard look at how I was practicing medicine. And so that was one of the big shifts that I took. And that took a conversation with my partner. And that's what you have to decide when it's going to impact the family, when it's going to impact more than just, you know, you. And, you know, we decided that for my best health and for the health of our family, that I would step away from traditional medicine. Was it scary? Absolutely. It was scary. But we knew that this was going to be something that would really impact the way that my health would be able to move forward. So that was one of the big things I did. The second thing I did was I actually got some labs done. I worked with a wellness center here, and that's where I I started looking into bioidentical hormones. And for me, that worked um, because I had absolutely no measurable testosterone. And I was like, no wonder I feel like I'm walking sideways. Now, is that for everybody? Not necessarily. And that's where you have to talk to your healthcare provider and see what will work for you. And so that's the path I decided to take. I also decided to take on, you know, working on my adrenal health. And so there are various different ways that you can do that through either adaptogenic herbs and supplementation. What I've recently done, and that's just as my journey, I mean, I've been on this journey for probably about six years now in terms of my own, you know, what I'm putting in my own toolkit is getting a meditation and mindset coach, which has really helped to give me some tools in terms of meditation, in terms of breathing, helping with restorative practices that I'm actually able to pass on to my patients and help them to understand how we support the parasympathetic nervous system and dampen down the sympathetic nervous system. So those are some of the big rocks that I've been able to put into my little glass dish, you know, a glass holder is what you can say, and making sure that I shift that needle. Also working on gut health, looking at how I take care of the piping system. How are things going through the pipes? So those, there are a lot of different pieces that I've worked on, but some of the bigger ones are the ones that we, that I just talked about. Mm, I hear that. And I love, I love that you're sharing a little bit about kind of what your journey is. And I love that you're also sharing that you're in it. You're still in this journey. You're going to be in this journey. And I think that's really important. So often I think we as women, you know, I think, you know, we, we've been at times sold the idea that maybe there's a one pill fix or a one, you know, one thing fix. And I always want to emphasize is that what I love so much about you, I love following you on Instagram because there's ownership there. This is a journey that we are owning. And I think there's something really beautiful about that journey. And once we decide, okay, we're owning this journey. And for me, my, you know, I've had multiple ups and downs with my hormones and I was diagnosed with Hajimoto's thyroiditis at 38. It's kind of when I started really feeling my perimenopausal type symptoms. And it was around that time that I, you know, I decided that why not, why not try to get pregnant in perimenopause and, (laughs) and what, what all that looked like. And so I can speak into, you know, I'm on thyroid medication for that. You know, I, my thyroid had definitely been extensively damaged and I worked on a lot of the root causes. So I'm out of, I'm in remission for Haji's, but still supporting that thyroid. And then when I was trying to get pregnant, 
you know, lo and behold, very, very low progesterone levels. So bioidentical progesterone to help me get pregnant, you know, in debt. So I just wanted to speak into that. And I, I agree, it's not for everyone. It depends on where you are in your journey when you're working with that practitioner and kind of figuring out what the real root cause of what's driving that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like I go into working with my patients by saying, you know, this is who I work with. I kind of delineate out the characteristics of my client, my ideal patient, um, so that you know, so that we can upfront go, okay, this is going to be a fit or it's not going to be a fit. And so I delineate out, okay, these are the things that I use. These are the different tools I have in my toolkit. If you are open to all this, then yes, let's see how we can work together. And that way upfront, if you're like, oh, I'm never going to you know, be open to this, that, and the other, then it's quite all right, because I think that is the beauty of finding the right person too to be able to help you working with someone that actually, you know, is actually working in something called narrative medicine, where both of you come together and you exchange your life experiences and you're moving forward together for a common goal. And so this is where I feel I'm privileged to come with you at a certain point in your life. I mean, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, a lot of us are just privileged to be here with you when you're in a very vulnerable state of your health. And so we're supposed to be there to guide guide you to give you the information that we've curated because that's what we've done. We've curated a lot of information and be able to give it to you so that you know where it should fit into your life. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. And I love that this is where you want to focus your efforts. I want to speak into destigmatizing perimenopause and menopause, because I, I think you could agree with me that a lot of practitioners, a lot of primary doctors aren't necessarily hormone experts. And I know that we go there hoping for, hoping for an answer, hoping for something. And we, we all, sometimes we walk away and we're just like, is anyone listening? Is, is, does anyone know what's going on with me? I just feel so misinformed or I, feel, I don't know what's going on. I feel like, especially with our culture, and I'm hoping that I hope through these conversations that we're going to shift things. But the, the value around women as we get older really shifts. And that we just kind of like, just kind of like, no, you're just getting older. I cannot tell you how many times I was talking to my mama on the phone, who's best friend, because my mom's been working with me for so long. So she's got, you know, she's always got me in her back corner, but she has friends who I had a friend of hers, uh, went to her doctor dealing with night sweats, dealing with some brain fog. You're just dealing with a lot of the symptoms that you and I see every single day. And he wrote her off. He's like, well, this is what happens when you're 57 years old and and um, good luck with that. And that was not what she was looking for, you know? And my mom was so angry for her. She's like, Marisa, we have to do better. I'm like, you mean me? <laughs> <laughs> We isn't me. Um, And so, (laughs) and I just, this is the story that I hear so, so often. So being the world as an OBGYN as well, like what are some of the things in which we can do to destigmatize what I consider to be a really gorgeous transition? If indeed we can, we can reposition it, we can redefine it. That's such a great question. What we have to do is continue to have these conversations that amplify it. Because when we do that, when we shine the light on it, we actually take the boogeyman out of it. I was there as those providers. I was in that traditional role. And it does not provide us the opportunity to do a lot of outside reading, a lot of, you know, being able to get the extra education, to be able to go outside of just what we're doing for that day. And 
you you kind of have to be like, you know, a, of a mindset where you're willing to kind of think outside the box to be able to think a little bit outside of your traditional continuing medical education that's given to you on a regular basis. And and you know, I have to kind of stand up for my practitioners, my my doctors that are that are in the trenches because of the system that they're in does not allow that. So a lot of us have to come out of that system to be able to do what we do. And that takes a big step. That takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of, oh my gosh, you know, thinking outside the box. And so once we have people like you, we have our patients, we have ladies that are saying, hey, this is not okay. And we keep raising the conversation. We keep amplifying it. We keep raising the volume on it. Then we can continue to shine light on it. It's going to take us, you know, basically going up to Capitol Hill and lobbying for the monies to be put into the research because when the WHI study came out and said, oh, those synthetic hormones were bad, we didn't take and do a good job of taking that information, breaking it down and helping us understand what that meant. And now going forward, well, what does it mean for bioidenticals? What does it mean for you know, women as they get older, how can we support and help them? Because now you have the wisdom of your years. You just need your body to cooperate so that your legacy is secure and that you can make an impact on the world and the community. And that is where the overall arching conversation comes from, is that we're going to have to do our little parts, which create these big ripples in the pond, that we can continue to, to raise the volume on this conversation and not have it in these hushed tones and whispers and, oh, she's going through the change. And you kind of have that whispered conversation, but say, no, this is not normal. I don't feel right. And so what are you all going to do about it? Mm, I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. I'm so glad you spoke into that. I see, I'm seeing more and more OBGYNs stepping into a more functional approach and leaving that, that, that primary practice that, because following that systematic approach, I know that the systematic approach isn't, isn't working for everybody. And I know you know it because you left it, you know, and I want to just, I just want to just really just a moment, celebrate that bravery and celebrate that deep knowing one, that bravery, because it wasn't serving you and your body. You know, that's, that is a very grueling schedule. And then number two, when you're looking at your patients and you're looking at yourself, thinking to yourself, there's got to be another way. And I want that for all of us. I want that for me and for all of my patients moving forward. I've had such amazing conversations with medical doctors where they're just like, I, it, it came to a fork in the road where I was sick and I realized that my what I had wasn't helping me and I had to go out and do and find out what it was. And that's when I had to make a decision and I ended up, I ended up becoming a more functional approach doctor. But I recognize that it is the way that the systems and the protocols and the way that it all is built up. You just kind of have to follow the way it's built. But I'm so grateful for for you just sharing that with us because I want the thousands of women listening to these this interview to say, okay, that makes so much sense as to what my experience has been. And that makes so much sense as to how I can navigate that moving forward. And that's a two-part piece there because the other piece was that, yeah, this, it's a quiet conversation. It's a taboo conversation. Even I, I, I was, I have a book coming out. It's a menopause book coming out literally next week. And it took me two years to write this. I am so excited about it. 
And I have a couple interviews coming through with some magazines. And one of the questions from one of these interviews was, what are some of your symptoms that you've experienced during perimenopause? And I felt like I got gut punched. I'm just going to be straight up. Because I hadn't been referred to a woman, and I refer to myself in perimenopause all the time, but someone being like, so how's it going in perimenopause for you? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me. Yes, yes. (laughs) What did you just say to me? I understand the first time that happened to me too. I was like, oh, wait. Well, no, I'm speaking to them. No, you're not. You're speaking to yourself. <laughs> and I was just had this moment and I was like, th- I get it. Like I, I get why, you know, we, you know, for so long, menopause was this dirty word. And even longer, you look back at the, at the history of it, men <laughs> had it as a, it was a condition. It was a condition. It was something that we treated. It was a treatable condition. And um, and it, so it's no wonder there's so much stigma around it that even, even my, I was so surprised by my reaction. You were just like, wait, what? No, no, not me. No, it's the other women. <laughs> it's the other women. And, but, and I own it, but it's like when someone sent it to me, I was like, well, let me just, let me just take a moment. So it's no wonder that anytime women are like, I can I get women all the time in like 56, 58 who are like, yeah, I don't know if I'm if I went through menopause or if I'm going through menopause. And I'm just like, no, girl, you've been through menopause. It happened because we want to tiptoe around it, you know. And so I wanted to just speak into that, too, that cultural that that again, that destigmatization, not only what we're seeing in the doctor's office, but also just what we're encountering in the culture that yes. we're experiencing. Yes, 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 absolutely. I, I, I have nothing else to add to that, to that part of the conversation. You, you've said it all. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think we get to, we get to own it. We get to, and I, that was, I, it took me a minute, that, but I was like, no, I'm owning that. That is the truth. You do, you get, you, when you own it, when you own that part of your story, it empowers you. And that's what I'm looking to do for my women is that I want you to be able to say, I'm not crazy. This is me. This is what's happening. And this is what I'm doing to make sure that I can function every day and still show up and give you this bad whatever that is that's me that I am showing up and you are getting the best of me because I have something to offer the world and that is it when you own it and you're able to then you then direct the narrative you don't let your workplace you don't let your family you don't let the society dictate to how you're supposed to now act Mm, I love that I have a question for all the women that come to you. You know, I think a lot of us were, again, I think there's, again, so much misconceptions. I know for me that I always thought that menopause was when we dealt with all of these really crazy symptoms. And that is not true. Not that they can't spill over. There, there is a little spillover. I know that there are some women who are like, I'm feeling that still. But it is actually in perimenopause. And so I'd love to know, Dr. Lakeisha, the, what is like, what are the average age of women reaching out to you? Are they typically in their 40s or do you find that they're in their 50s? No, there, it's, it's in the 40s. So my average woman is between around 45 to 55. What I tell women is that I love to, to <laughs> I refer to it as, as a phase of life because you're on a spectrum. So perimenopause is like the beginning of it. And so menopause, the actual definition is just 12 consecutive months without a period. And then you have some people call it postmenopausal when you've actually completed that 12 months and you're done. And so what some women believe is that, oh, if I have hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, I'm in menopause. 
And that is the definition of it. No, it's not because not every woman's going to have those symptoms, have all three, have one or the other. You start having some of those symptoms and still have your period. And that's where the confusing thing is. It's like, why am I having these symptoms, but I still have a period. And that's where the doctors will tell you those that are not well versed in the hormone space will say, oh, honey, then no, I don't know what's wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong with you or I, or it's all in your head. No, it's not. I, I'm not sleeping. I can't get good rest. I'm gaining weight. Oh, just eat less, exercise more. No, you cannot just say it that way because the hormones are changing and your body is reacting to stressors in a different way. And so, yeah, the average woman that's coming to me, like I said, is usually about early 40s. I have some in their 30s that may have experienced some type of stressor. That was me. <laughs> and they're, they're, you know, they're experiencing this stressor. So it is impacting their hormones to the point where they're experiencing these symptoms a little earlier. But for definition's sake, if you actually stop having your period for 12 consecutive months in your 30s, it's classified as premature ovarian failure. I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, basically you're probably experiencing all the same symptoms, but we just have these textbook definitions so that when practitioner to practitioner talks, we know what we're talking about. That's all. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that too. We're seeing that too. We're seeing that women in their 20s and their 30s. And, and that's why, I, you know, I'm so excited for the the functional perspective because we do deserve to understand what these root causes are. Absolutely. Just like the testosterone and the thyroid. And, the, you know, you talked about gut health, you know, how much that is tied into so much of what's going on with us, how much the stressors are tied into what's going on with us. You know, I, I've seen so many women looking at their Dutch tests where their, their cycle is what was 28 is now 26 days or 25 days. We're seeing a shortening of a cycle. We're seeing decreasing in progesterone levels across the board. I'm seeing tanked testosterone. And I know that ideally we're supposed to still see testosterone at a decent level into our 50s, but I don't recall ever seeing a lab where I've seen that be the case. I'm not, I'm not seeing where testosterone is. At. Well, let me, let me put it this way. I tend to see it in women who may have had excess testosterone when they were in there. Oh, Yes. Um, they had, um, they were in their reproductive phase. So that's a whole another conversation. Yeah. PCOS. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. another, another conversation for another day, for sure. I wanted to just speak into that too, because I, so often, I think that there's been a lot of confusion. A lot of women are like, wait, am I in menopause? Like I'm 45, what's going on? And no, those are, those are symptoms of, of massive shifting hormones in perimenopause going into menopause. And I just, I don't know how this was missed on so many of us for so long. Like my mom never, I don't think my mom knew about perimenopause. They didn't, they did not have the language. They didn't, they weren't taught it. It wasn't anything that was recognized. So they didn't have the verbiage for us. So this is something that's pretty new in terms of the last probably 15 years or so. 10 to 15 years where we're actually using this term perimenopause or premenopause. I think I remember it um, in residency starting to hear about, oh, maybe she's premenopausal. You know, we're starting to have this terminology where it's right before menopause. And they were even saying it was just as short as probably three or five years. But now we're expanding that because we're seeing the symptoms and we're understanding them more. And that is where the conversations have to be expanded. But yes, 
my mother, my grandmother, they didn't have the verbiage to tell me that. I mean, my mother just would tell me, oh, your body's going to start changing and shifting. And, you know, my mother was probably a little more open in her conversations to me than most went, most mothers were to the point where sometimes I'd be like, okay, mom, that's too much information. (laughs) But you know, she would tell me about how when she had her hysterectomy and, you know, telling me as I, you know, was diagnosed with fibroids and actually had to have a myomectomy because one of my fibroids degenerated and caused me to have pain. She was like, look, if you have to have a hysterectomy because your fibroids get so bad, she was like, it's not going to impact who you are as a woman. Like those were the type of conversations she had with me was, was, you know, make sure that you understand that, you still have the ability to feel feminine. You still have the ability to, to function as a woman. And she gave me the grace to say, Hey, if this is for your health, because I had menorrhagia, very, very heavy periods to the point where I was anemic. I mean, it was, it was horrible. And I, I did figure out a different way um, to be able to manage it where I didn't have to have a hysterectomy, but just having that conversation with her made me at ease to feel like, okay, I'm not, it's not my fault. It's not something I did per se, but it could be something that could come up. And that's what I want to be able to have these conversations with women saying, look, this is something that can happen. This is something that may happen for you. Now it's not just this may happen, but here are some things, some tools, here's some answers for you. And that's the completed conversation that we want to, we want to be able to have. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I know I saw on in, your Instagram post that you were talking about estrogen dominance and how that plays a role into heavy periods and development of fibroids. And that 85% of us before we hit menopause have fibroids. Many of us won't know because there won't be symptomology for them. And then if there is, you know, what can we do to, to navigate that? So I love, I love that those conversations are happening. I love that your mama was having those conversations with you. My mama was like, listen, I'm going through 30 pads in a day, you know, or 30 tampons in a day. What do you have for me? So many women are feeling that way and, and having some natural options on the table before the more invasive options on the table happen, I think are so, so critical. And I know you're probably having a lot of those conversations. Absolutely. Well, oh my goodness, Dr. Lakeisha, where where do we plug into you first? What would you love for us, for us to do? Because I know so many women are like, I am dealing with all of that right now, and I can't find someone to help me. And I just love that this is really the area of focus that you're having. There's there's not enough women, not enough women practitioners, doctors focusing specifically on that perimenopause to menopause transition and really knows it inside and out. And that's why I was so excited to to ask you to come on to have this conversation with me. So where can we where can we plug in? Where would be that first step for us for you? I, I you know I hear so many women that are like, well, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on. So I say, hey, I have something for you. It's like create your hormone blueprint by going to take my hormone quiz. So go to hormonequiz.co.co. That's it, and get your free quiz. Get that quiz, see where you are, what's going on. It kind of takes you through and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. 
And it helps you to see if some of the symptoms you're having, what's going on with you. And then I also have created a seven day video mini course that helps to kind of start breaking down for you what's going on in that body. If you are like, look here, I am tired, but I'm wired or I'm not sleeping or I don't want to have sex anymore is, you know, what's really going on. So it breaks this down over seven days. You go at your own pace and that's just a small $49 fee. The hormone quiz is free. You can grab that anytime, but the seven day mini course is just for $49 that you can grab over at hormonehottiesminicourse.com. I love that name, by the way. It's so great. I love that reframing. And I will have both links, very obvious, inside of the show notes. And then Dr. Lakeisha, where can we find you? I know I keep mentioning, I see you on Instagram, girl. (laughs) You can find me on all social media platforms at Dr. Lakeisha MD. That's D-R-L-A-K-E-I-S-C-H-A-M-D. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm in Clubhouse. And I'm on Twitter at that handle everywhere. Nice. I love it. Well, thank you so much again for not only doing the work that you do in the world, but for sharing your brilliance here on the show. I just so appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have been here and be able to have this conversation. It it has filled my soul. Thank you. Me too. Whether you are currently in perimenopause or you are setting your body up for success down the road, When menopause comes into play, I hope that you are walking away from this powerful conversation with Dr. Lakeisha and I with some amazing tools and resources to love your body and your hormones. It's through these conversations that we gain more hormone literacy and become the CEO of our health. When we know our bodies, we can make empowered decisions about our bodies. And this is so critical because no one knows your body like you do. The next step is to gain more knowledge by continuing to tune into this podcast, one of very few out there that are fully devoted to women's hormone health and hormone literacy. And to also take that step and check out Dr. Lakeisha on Instagram or to go even a step further and check her out with her hormone quiz to really see what's going on with you, especially if you're stepping into perimenopause and beyond. Now I'm gonna have the the link to the quiz in the show notes for this episode. Super easy to go check out. I love her quiz. I think it's worthwhile. So I wanna end this podcast with a quick intention that my intention for you is to gain hormone literacy and feel confident in knowing your body. So much so that you share that knowledge with your sister, your aunt, your best friends, even your partner. Now, because I feel so strongly about this and I have for well over a decade, I have recently created two hashtags that embody this mission so that we can stand together as a community. They are hashtag health CEO and hashtag hormone literacy. So anytime you are loving your body and your hormones and making empowered decisions about your body, feel free to use them. Let's create a community of health CEOs where we are connecting and supporting each other with hormone literacy. Now, coming up next Friday, I'm going to be sharing the top 10 habits that could be aging us faster. I think these are so important to know what habits love up on us and nourish us and what habits deplete us. So I want to go into this quick little episode and give you the 411 on the top 10 that are messing with us and our slow down aging abilities. Until then, have an amazing week and I will see you soon. 